On this episode of the Hoosier Health Podcast, we learned about a unique resource for Hoosiers that is also utilized by patients all across the country. The Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center is leading the way in the country for patients with rare blood disorders and how they get diagnosis, treatment, and try to have a normal life. We talk with Dr. Amy Shapiro, who is the co-founder of the center. We also hear from one of the patients and how he has benefited from the care at the IHTC through a clinical trial of a novel product for hemophilia. So let's begin with Dr. Amy Shapiro, co-founder of the Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center. I am a pediatric hematologist. Uh, I have been in Indiana since 1987. Uh, I moved here from Colorado where I did my training in both pediatrics and hematology. And my focus throughout my career has been the care of individuals with uh, disorders of coagulation, rare disorders. Many of them you may know, uh, hemophilia, but there's also other disorders that qualify as rare bleeding and clotting or coagulation factor deficiencies, and that's what I do. Um, I'm part of the Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center which is located on the north side of Indianapolis. We are a medical home for individuals with rare bleeding and clotting disorders, the only one in the state. And we serve both children and adults, so patients throughout the lifespan affected with these disorders. And we have a multidisciplinary team on site. So it's not just physicians and nurses, but it's social workers, career counselors, patient navigators, pharmacy staff, physical therapists, dental hygienists, nutritionists, genetic counselors, research coordinators, you name it. So uh, a full uh, offering of services and support for, for patients, you know, undergoing treatment at, at the facility. That's obviously uh, covering them from uh, every aspect of uh, their care. That, that's amazing. So what, what led you to found the Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center? That's a good question. Um, What I found was that uh, there were limitations working within large institutions uh, about how you could uh, approach disease states, make it more comprehensive, and uh, grow a program. You know, larger institutions have inherent bureaucracy. And we felt that it might be better to form our own program so that we could dedicate ourselves to really developing what we thought was the best model of care for our patients and be agnostic of any institution. So we're not owned by a hospital. We're independent. We're a not-for-profit entity. People are paid on salary and everyone's mission is aligned. The patient mix, you had mentioned uh, children up to adults. Um, What would you say are the groups of patients that you're typically seeing there at the center? You could define groups by either the conditions we treat, or you could define them by different racial or ethnic social diversity group. So one thing that's nice about our program, too, is it not only is really focused on the life course 
and the many manifestations of these disorders, but it's also focused within communities to help patients live their best lives within communities. So we have nurses and nurse practitioners embedded that are employed by our center around the state to help deliver care, even in patients' homes. We have career counselors that go out to patient schools or daycares to help them. We have psychologists who can do counseling for some of the psychosocial manifestations. And then if you think about disease states, we take care of hemophilia, which is a variety of clotting disorders. The most common that people recognize are factor eight, which is hemophilia A, or factor nine, which is hemophilia B, which uh, predominantly affect males. However, females can be symptomatic. And there are different levels of severity. So the levels of severity help predict the bleeding symptoms that patients have. We have always uh, been very careful about the women who carry, quote unquote, hemophilia. We check their levels. We check their uh, genetic status to make sure they understand what that is. We often uh, give them preventative treatment for procedures or treatment if they actually have bleeding. And women experience different types of bleeding episodes um, due to the reproductive tract. There are also some other bleeding disorders which are quite common actually, von Willebrand disease, which probably affects about one per hundred population, males and females equally affected, autosomal dominant, uh, nosebleeds, mucocutaneous, bleeds, so muscles, skin, uh, mucous membranes, mouth, um, type of bleeding. And women often have menorrhagia, bleeding postpartum. They're, uh, if not recognized, if not treated appropriately, can have a hysterectomy too early, which can lead to inability to have children, all sorts of issues. So Anemia affects your quality of life. On your website, you guys have a, is it a girls only uh, program? Okay, can you tell me a little bit about that? So that's called the Go Clinic, and that's a multidisciplinary clinic for the younger women or girls who are affected. It's staffed by a pediatric hematologist and an adolescent medicine physician. Um, to address the issues related to reproductive tract bleeding, either girls who've had thrombotic diseases and are on anticoagulation and then have excessive bleeding, or girls who have bleeding disorders such as von Willebrand disease or carriers that also have excessive bleeding. So we address those issues. And then when they transition to the adult side, so they transition within our program, there is an adult hematologist and a, a GYN physician who comes to our clinic and addresses the needs from a multidisciplinary standpoint of older women, older girls with the same types of issues. You don't have to go to the OB or the GYN to then get an opinion and then schedule a procedure. You can do it in our office. We have some very rare deficiencies that we care for. For example, something called PI-1, plasminogen activator inhibitor 1, which is probably the rarest. We have something called 
factor five short or East Texas bleeding disorder. <laughs> so, Wow. We've got a lot of rare things. We are a center of excellence for the care of patients with plasminogen deficiency, which is very rare. We care for patients all over the country and actually the world with people with that deficiency. Uh, and, but we also take care of other blood disorders, which we consider what we call benign, not so benign from the person's standpoint who's affected but benign in the sense of people thinking it's not malignant, it's not cancer. So some of those are, for example, sickle cell and some other rare disorders that affect the red blood cells. We also take care of some disorders that, call that cause excessive clotting or thrombosis, such as antithrombin-3 deficiency, protein C, protein S, factor V Leiden, prothrombin gene mutation, all sorts of things. So a whole menu <laughs> of rare disorders. That's uh, that's amazing. My my mom went through um, cancer treatment, and you know her um, diagnosis was uh, adenocarcinoma with an unknown primary, and and so it was challenging for her psychologically dealing with the rarity, you know, of of her cancer and them not having that primary source in order to you know kind of direct treatment, and so. It was uh, just a physical toll, obviously, but more of a, a psychological toll, you know, through through her um, treatment, just because it wasn't like they had confidence, I feel like, in, you know, the effectiveness of what they were doing. And, and I would assume your patients, um, you know, again, given the rarity of what they're dealing with, have to deal with a lot of psychological components. There are a lot of issues that affect people's lives when you have a rare disorder. Do you know anyone else who has the same thing? Are you alone growing up in a community? Um, your mother, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, at least she was an adult and could advocate for herself. Um, although it's hard when you have a rare disease and you don't feel like you've got someone who's shepherding your care. And that is really what we focus on is getting rid of those barriers to help get patients the full spectrum of their needs. So instead of sending you for five appointments, one to a physical therapist, one to a dental hygienist, one to a psychologist, one to a social worker, we have most of that in-house. And if you need someone else, we find people who either understand, have dealt with our patients before and understand their disorder or help teach them and uh, shepherd their care through that. So we help organize it. And, you know, I think uh, medicine's gotten complicated. The system's gotten complicated and it's hard for patients. For children, it's hard to grow up. For parents, you worry about your children. As adolescents, it's hard to learn to take care of yourself and become independent. As an adult, it's hard to plan your life around something else. The uh, ability to shepherd along with the patients in their journey in life, I mean, just being that resource is, is probably a huge benefit. And I know we're going to talk about one of your patients in particular, um, Jacob. Um, can, you, can you tell me a little bit about Jacob's story? I met him when he was an infant when he was first diagnosed um, and therapy over his life course has significantly advanced. 
which is really nice because I think it's one of the things we do at the center is we have a very strong clinical research program where we try to bring advanced therapies to leverage those for our patient population to try to get them something new, something better sooner than it hits the market to learn about it and to be uh, very knowledgeable about the, about the use of those agents when they become available. Uh, and I think Jacob has benefited from that. He was one of the early adopters for a form of therapy we call prophylaxis, which was started many years ago. And long ago um, with hemophilia, what would happen is you would have a bleeding episode and then you would treat it. And that's really hard. It interrupts a person's life. The child has pain. The parents have to deal with it. And it causes joint disease and muscle problems. And prophylaxis is a way of administering therapy to try to suppress those bleeding episodes and prevent them from happening. And uh, Jacob took advantage of that. His family took advantage of that. And he's been very active, very athletic. Uh, and that's really nice. A lot of our patients uh, started prophylaxis very early. And then um, Jacob has participated in clinical trials with us uh, for very new cutting edge therapies to try them. Um, and now one of the things we have available is a novel agent that's actually injected underneath the skin for factor VIII deficiency, uh, which is a mimic of factor VIII. It's not actually factor VIII, but it's one of those, what we call IBS and ABS, the new antibodies that hit the market that uh, are targeted therapies to um, help either a disease state or take the place of a particular protein in the body. And this one uh, takes the place in a sense of factor VIII so now many of our patients are not even having to administer intravenous therapy on a regular basis for factor eight. They're doing subcutaneous injections and then only using intravenous therapy if they're planning a procedure or they have a breakthrough bleeding episode, which have been much decreased with the use of this agent. So it's almost like a, a maintenance med and then a, a breakthrough or, you know. Or a preventative med for a procedure. Gotcha. Okay. So it converts them from a severe deficient state to a mild deficient state, which is really nice. With most of the hemophilia therapies, we don't worry as much about thrombosis because it's intermittent replacement, but we have had issues with thrombosis in some patients. Um, with this medication, it, it puts you into a nice kind of uh, balance uh, where you feel protected. You're not completely in the normal range, but you're certainly well protected, can exercise, um, have very few breakthrough bleeding episodes. One of my patients said to me, who's on this, it wasn't Jacob, but he said, you really have to try hard to bleed. And you shouldn't try that hard. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't try that hard. Well, getting that type of feedback from your patients probably gives you a lot of um, hope, you know, for these emerging therapies and, and how they'll be able to affect the quality of life for your patients. Um, so that's got to be pretty rewarding from your end as well. 
It is. And we're always looking for um, patients we don't know or people we haven't served in the community. So anyone who's listening to this and has a bleeding disorder, if you don't know us, we'd love to hear from you. Our mission is to get every individual in this state uh, the best care possible. We even care for many culturally diverse populations throughout the state. We have over 6,000 patients in the state. Wow. Okay. And if you're talking about bleeding disorders, it is probably 2,200. And then if you're talking about factor eight deficiency, it's about 650. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. Actually, we're the largest hemophilia center in the country. But I think the fact that we take care of families for generations Hmm. is the biggest testament to what we do that people, not only themselves, but they entrust their children, their grandchildren, their cousins, um, other people within their family and for multiple generations to us to help give them the best shot at the best outcome. Thanks, Dr. Shapiro. Now let's hear from Jacob, a fellow Hoosier who has been living with hemophilia and a patient of the IHTC for over 30 years. Let's hear his story and some insight on a novel therapy for hemophilia called Hemlibra. My story kind of goes back to about as close to when I was born as possible. I I think I was uh, under six months old and I was having a um, bilateral hernia repair. And I had not been diagnosed with hemophilia at that point. No one in my family had hemophilia. And my mom being a nurse, uh, after the, the surgery, I, I continued to bleed. And she realized that that's not normal. So uh, it took me back into the, the hospital, and uh, I had to have a, an emergency surgery. Um, I actually flatlined and uh, was, was brought back, which was helpful for me being here today. But, uh, but very nerve-wracking for all parties involved. And then uh, I was diagnosed after the fact there uh, with hemophilia. So you get the diagnosis. I'm sure you, you didn't have much uh, of an awareness around that at that age. But your, your folks, you know, dealing with that um, with their child, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy on them. From what they've told me, it, it was pretty challenging, especially that time period. The only thing that was really known about hemophilia was, was the Ryan White story. And so, you know, you're, you're diagnosed with something that most people have associated with um, HIV and, and AIDS and, and being a kind of almost a death sentence at that point. So it was, um, it was not super promising. There was not a lot of information out uh, in the, the medical space for that. So my parents were, were a little taken back for sure. And then growing up, do you feel like there was anything um, you had to be overly aware of? I'm assuming if, if there was any type of um, bleeding risk or, or event that caused bleeding, you know, was it, were you living kind of on edge, I guess, as a child, would you say? I was one of the kids who got put on prophylactic treatment pretty early. So I've almost always been on factor products. And with that, I was definitely cautious around some things that I didn't play football growing up. You know, I, I would play with friends in the backyards when my parents weren't looking and things like that, but organized football. Uh, I, I played basketball growing up. 
and, and I tried to live as, as normal of a life as I could. And I think I did a pretty good job with that. You know, earlier on in your treatments, were there other um, things that you tried just as, as different technologies and science came out showing other options for you? Yeah, you, that's, a, that's a really great question. There's been a lot of different products that have come to market and, and been in the hemophilia market. And I've, I've been really, really blessed in my life with not having some of the ancillary issues or inhibitors that a lot of hemophilia patients have experienced. And so I always kind of viewed myself as, as a person with the ability to kind of help further through research. So I participated in a couple different clinical trials growing up for different factor products. With, with the lack of complications and, and things that I had in my life, it was easier for me to kind of, we'll say, test out these products and it's not that they weren't working, they, they were, and I was having a lot of success on them. It's just, if you have the option of, you know, I, I was infusing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so three times a week for years of my life, and then the long lasting product came out and I was able to infuse myself once every five days. And then the Hemlibra product came out and you can do it once a month. And it's, it, it's not crazy time consuming to, to do the process, but once a month is a heck of a lot better than, than five times and, and five times is a heck of a lot better than 12. So. And that's obviously has to make a, a big impact on your life. Um, you know, cause whether you're injecting yourself uh, once would be a lot for a lot of people. And then here you are doing it multiple times a week. And so getting that um, therapy down to, like, like you said, uh, as few injections as possible. So this has really been a huge impact on your life from just a day-to-day, I would assume. It has been really, really nice that these, these products have come to market. And, and, I mean, again, I'm 32 years old, and the amount of innovation and change that's occurred in, in my lifetime is, is pretty crazy to think about. And the things that medicine has, has progressed in just, I mean, uh, 30 years in the grand scheme of things is, is pretty minuscule time frame. No, that's a good point. I, I myself had a, a knee replacement in um, when I was 36, and I'm, I'm 40, and so I keep telling myself that I'll, I'll, I'll get springs inserted in my knee, you know, at some point down the road, and I'll be able to dunk, you know, a basketball. So I, I can relate with you a little bit there um, on how technology does uh, change, and, and it is so rapid. Yeah, I, I, I joke a lot about my my knees and my joints because I, I said I, I ran competitively. I, I ended up running cross country and track all the way through college at, uh, at the division one level and uh, running 90 miles or more a week is it's not something your body really uh, built to do. So it'll do it. But, but the long-term effects, I'm, I'm pretty sure my knees creaking uh, going up and down stairs and we'll see what happens there. But <laughs> I, I continue to run. I'm, I'm averaging about 40 a week. So it's a lot less now. And you were, was it uh, IU? Were you a Hoosier? I was, uh, born, in, born and raised, I guess. I'm, dad went there and brother went there and sister has a, a law degree from IU. So I, I didn't really have a whole lot of choices in the matter, I guess. <laughs> I can relate. Well, tell me a little bit about your experience being a patient at the Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center. Yeah, the IHTC uh, or the Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center has been, has been amazing. And, and they're one of the, the best centers in the country. And I'm obviously biased in that capacity, but just from being around other people and, and going to conferences, 
it, it really, it really hits home. And so they're always patient focused and, and patient first. And so when something that's going to better their patient output or, or better their lives, they're going to have a conversation if it's fitting. And so I've talked a lot with uh, Dr. Shapiro and, and Dr. Greist and, and uh, Jen Moss and, and the research team even about when these trials come up, if it fits, they're, they're going to have a conversation with the patient about it. And so that's how I was uh, brought to, or Hemweaver was brought to my intention. And it sounds like having the IHTC as that resource, you know, not that you have to rush to the, the ER every time, you know, you see red, um, but, but just, you know, okay, what, what is the next step, you know, based on what's going on? And, and you have that coach or that, you know, assistance, um, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a parent of four kids. So um, just the anxiety, if, if they fall off their bike and you're worried about them breaking their leg, let alone uh, a bleed that could potentially lead to death. You know, I, I just put myself in those shoes and, and man, it would be a life changer to have a resource that close to, to be able to assist you through that process. So with uh, him, Libra, were, were you cautious of any side effects or any other challenges potentially before you took the plunge uh, to start the trial? Up until this point, in, you know, when I, when I started in Libra, I, I hadn't had a lot of issues. And, and so it's the concept of when you start seeing the results and the rate of bleeds that have gone down and the lives that have been impacted, some people infusing daily to using him, Libra, and, and they now infuse once a week and you know, they, they can live more normal. They don't have to deal with an, an inhibitor. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. The, the progress of this, this drug has, has pushed into market for patients. Now I know access to new pharmacologic agents can be challenging. Um, what did insurance coverage look like for you with Hemlibra? Insurance is always a, a lovely conversation in this, this community, in this space. Um, especially with, with pre-existing conditions for, for certain insurance companies previously. So the uh, ACA really helped with that, the Affordable Care Act. But I have been lucky that I have always had uh, private insurance or company insurance to, to cover it, but insurance is definitely a challenge in this space and getting the, the treatment center and the team that they have behind you to be able to kind of go to bat for you is is really really important and really helpful because insurance companies obviously see a bottom line number and if there's multiple products in the market they're typically going to try to push you towards the cheaper one and so uh, getting product can be a, an issue but I personally have, have been very very lucky in the capacity that I've been able to acquire my product uh, and again, having the, the treatment center team behind you and, and I mean, the human to the community is, is very impactful and we, we do go to Washington and advocate for uh, not only, you know, bleeding disorders, but for, for those rare conditions. And we try to, to be representative and, and speak with our, uh, our representatives locally and on a national level as well. Well, it's obvious you're a patient advocate for folks dealing with hemophilia. Now, managing hemophilia might seem challenging from the outsider's perspective, but what would you like listeners to know about your story? It's what I know. This is, this is my situation. This is my story. You can either 
you know, kind of shy away from that, or you can figure out the best way forward and, and how you can make it, make it a positive. And, and that's what I've tried to do. And again, my, my story is there's, there's a thousand me's out there. It's, it, there's a lot of people with hemophilia that, um, that can live normal lives. And there, there's a lot of people that have had some challenges that I haven't, but that's not to say that they're not doing everything that they want with life and, and they can't uh, overcome this as well. There's, there's a lot of really, really positives going on. That concludes our episode of the Hoosier Health Podcast. We just want to thank Dr. Amy Shapiro and Jacob for taking their time to join us. The Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center is an unbelievable resource for Hoosiers and patients across the United States dealing with rare blood disorders. So make sure to check them out online for more information and they'll be readily available to assist you in your journey. So until next time, remember health is wealth.